Make this the best fall. And start at Plato's Closet in North Charleston and West Ashley. Earn cash for clothes. We're buying your trendy, gently used fall styles like boots, hoodies, denim, jackets, and other fall pieces. If you have cool fall styles just sitting in your closet and you don't plan to wear them again, earn cash on the spot. Make this the best fall with cash for clothes. We want your sustainable fall styles at Plato's Closet. Stop by today. Plato's Closet, located in West Ashley on Sam Rittenberg Boulevard and North Charleston on Rivers Avenue. Drivers, start your engines! What's going on, FA Nation? Welcome back for what is, in my opinion, the first NASCAR DFS podcast of the 2023 season, even though we did do a preview of the Clash a couple weeks ago. I am Dan Malin. I am joined by the FSWA three-time NASCAR Writer of the Year, Matt Sells. Matt and I are recording this after qualifying Wednesday night. FanDuel still doesn't have their NASCAR DFS contest up, but we will be looking at DraftKings, and for what it's worth, salaries don't really matter this week. But Matt, how you doing? How excited are you? We are about to kick off starting tomorrow night, like really, realistically, like four straight days of solid, you know, stock car racing. Yeah, because we got the duels on. Well, first of all, I'm I'm great. We get NASCAR back. Uh, today was also the day that pitchers and catchers uh, recorded or reported for spring training because baseball is my other love. Um, so yeah, I'm doing doing quite great. Um, we're, we've got snow in the forecast here, so anytime I get to look at sunny weather in Florida to kick off uh, either baseball or NASCAR, it's a good day. So I'm, I'm, you know, pretty excited here. And yes, you're right. It's basically four straight days of cars on track. We had qualifying on Wednesday, and for those who are uninitiated, qualifying only sets the first, the the, the first row, right? The guy who's on the pole, which is Alex Bowman now, and the guy who's starting on the outside pole, Kyle Larson. Um, those are the only two guys whose positions are known. Now, on Thursday, we get the dual races, which are set up based on qualifying order from Wednesday night. And finish position from the dual races will set both the inside line and the outside line for the starting grid for the Daytona 500. And then Friday, we have the truck race. And then Saturday is Xfinity. And Sunday is the cup race. We also have ARCA, too, on Thursday night, if I'm not mistaken. Who knows? I might just have to tune in for that. I mean, Probably it should be fun. For the duels? Uh, I believe so, yeah. So, should be should be a fun fun weekend down in Daytona. And then we're off and rolling, folks. We don't stop till November with only one off weekend. I mean, technically the All-Star Race is kind of an off weekend, but not this year with at North, North Wilkesboro. Not taking that weekend off, that's for sure. Um, so, yeah, we're rolling at this point. Yeah, I'm trying to see like when the ARCA race actually runs because that I thought oh, okay the ARCA race is 1:30 on Saturday. Oh, okay, so they shifted. <clears throat> yeah, I mean not a big deal. Like I was just kind of confused by that one. It's um, usually a pretty fun race to watch, actually. Yeah, I don't mind it. It's still racing. Uh, it's usually a much smaller field, like 20 to 20. Also, you know, we got Frankie Muniz. That's true. Yeah, <laughs> if there's one reason to watch, it's for Malcolm in the middle. <laughs> Wait for him to go three wide, and then we get the the. Frankie Munich goes <laughs> goes in the middle. Um, 
But we did have qualifying, and as Matt said, Alex Bowman on the pole, Kyle Larson starting next to him. I believe, isn't it the same exact front row we had to start last year's Daytona 500? Uh, yeah, just in reverse order because Larson yeah. was on the pole last year and Bowman was second. That's the sixth straight year that Bowman is on the pole for the Daytona 500, which is a record. For the front row? Uh, yeah, sorry, front row. Not <clears throat> pole. He's won a couple of poles, but. Um, other notable uh, tidbits to take away from qualifying, uh, Jimmy Johnson in the 84 car for Legacy Motor Club. He qualified and he is in. Uh, Travis Pastrana uh, with uh, 23XI. I, w- I actually didn't think he was going to lay down that good of a lap. Um, yeah, I know. That was surpri- That's his first lap ever in a cup car. Yeah. Uh, and, and, he looked, and he makes the Daytona 500. <laughs> made the most of it with really good equipment. So those two are in. As far as tomorrow night's duels go, uh, I believe uh, Bob Pockers tweeted out the scenarios. But I think Austin Hill is in <clears throat> if he's the fastest open car or or, or Pastrana finish first. Yes. Uh, somebody else is also in if they're the fastest open in their duel or Johnson or Pastrana finish first, depending on which one is in their duel. Um, I think... What was it? Daly has to win his duel. <clears throat> Daly and Chandler Smith both have to be the top three of the open cars. Right. Um, so, so right yeah. now, I'm just assuming that Austin Hill and Zane Smith are going to make it. <clears throat> yeah, it's pretty hard to bet against Austin Hill at this point. Um, he's just pretty good at these tracks in general. And looked like he had decent speed in single car qualifying, for whatever it's worth. He did. Yeah, and I mean, for what it's worth, I got him at 70 to 1 to win the 500, so I would like to see him get in there. <laughs> We're going long here already. <laughs> All right. Um, so let's just get to, I guess, just a general overview. In most podcasts, Matt and I would normally go fairly in depth uh, with strategies, advice for Daytona, Talladega, and even Atlanta nowadays. These podcasts are generally shorter. Uh, if this is your first time playing NASCAR DFS, first of all, welcome. And second of all, play very light. Uh, yep. This is a very easy way to be turned off to NASCAR DFS, uh, just in terms of the sheer unpredictability of it. You can see all the time on Twitter how like starting position matters and and uh, avoiding the big one. Really, if this is your first time, if, if you're being lured into playing NASCAR DFS by DraftKings offers and everything... You know, maybe do one lineup and <clears throat> play low dollar cash games with like a single entry GPP. Get your feet wet. Come back for Auto Club next week, and then Vegas and Phoenix. Like those are much more. Those are just better races, in my opinion, to really find out if NASCAR DFS is for you or if it's not. Uh, the Daytona 500, even the big GPP on DraftKings, the rake and the payout structure is awful. It's a million to first, and then I think a hundred thousand to second, and. Really, the only top, only the top thirty spots pay at least one thousand dollars. So it's, it's really a horribly designed contest. Um, but we're still going to help you out and give you our strategies and what to and how you should approach the lineup structure. But if this is your first time, seriously consider being very disciplined with your bankroll. I completely agree and retweet everything Dan just said. First of all, welcome. If this is your first time, glad to have you. Uh, please don't bail after the Daytona 500. It is a wild, chaotic race that starts the season. But following this, we get a run of uh, Auto Club, Vegas, Phoenix, 
which are all much more predictable uh, tracks, generally speaking. And then, you know, we come back and still have a few more predictable tracks before we get another wild card race tossed in there with Atlanta. So, you know, for the most part, yes, NASCAR DFS is the biggest DFS sweat you can you can have. Two years ago, uh, I won the FanDuel, one of the FanDuel Daytona GPPs, uh, took home 2500 bucks, which was great, except for the fact that literally on the last turn of the last lap, I was winning $0. And then Joey Logano, who was teammates with Brad Keselowski at the time, decided to wreck each other, and Michael McDowell came through for the win, which won me my bet at 66 to 1 and also... Uh, helped me cash out at 2500 bucks. That should give you an idea of how wild this race is. That typically doesn't happen at just about any other track. So, and it's also one of the rare occurrences where it actually, like, the chaos works in your favor. Right, because most of the time it works completely against you. Um, we will go into some strategy here uh, in this one. We will not be delving too deep into specific drivers to play because basically everybody's in play this week. Still read the playbook I'm going to have out on Saturday um, because it does give you, it whittles down the field a little bit, but just because a guy isn't in the playbook doesn't mean you can't play him this week. And that's about the only time I'm going to tell you. That. Um, but also going forward, programming note, Dan and I will be doing Saturday podcasts. They will be out. Uh, we will record them basically immediately following qualifying for the cup series. Um, we are going to use them as an addendum to the playbook. So what it, what does that mean? It means we're going to talk strategy. It means we're going to see how the, <clears throat> how the slate sets up following qualifying. Uh, and we're going to talk some, some bets, too, because everybody likes bets. And yes, are the better values for bets early in the week? Sure. But nobody knows who's starting anywhere at that point. So... The more, uh, the sharper betters will get on it following qualifying. And yeah, you'll take a little bit of a value hit, but you're still, you're more likely to get better. So please tune in on the Saturday podcast. They will be posted atop the playbook and they will also be standalones wherever you listen to your podcast. So uh, with that, let's go ahead and dive into the strategy for, for Daytona. Well, two things that, always come to mind if i was to really just if i was writing a book about how to like build lineups for nascar dfs especially for super speedways um i would say fade the front row yes don't play them at all uh and be comfortable leaving anywhere from like three thousand dollars to maybe even twenty thousand dollars of salary on DraftKings left over um we see the numbers every year um, if I recall correctly, last year when Bowman and Larson were on the front row for Daytona in, in DraftKings Big GPP, those two combined for like 22% ownership. And mm. it's great leverage to fade the front row because in general, just the nature of Daytona and, and pack racing, they are going to get shuffled out. They're not guaranteed for all those dominator points, which in general for super speedways are spread out amongst the field pretty evenly, unless yep. there's one guy that can somehow lead 70 to 100 laps in this race. <clears throat> the other thing is that you're going to see a lot of casuals play Daytona this week, and they are used to playing other sports where you want to spend as much salary as possible. 
for this race, it really doesn't matter. You'll see optimal lineups from previous years where they left $8,000 on the table, 12000 I think there was one Daytona race within the last two years where they only used like $23,000 worth of salary. <clears throat> so salary does not matter here. Be comfortable leaving a lot of money on the table because as we've seen in years past, typically about 30 to 40% of lineups entered in GPP contests are using either all the salary or they're leaving about a, like as much as $1,000 left on the table. So you're already gaining leverage just by fading the front row and being comfortable leaving a ton of money on the table. And that's just really how, if for anyone that's new to the game, just be comfortable with that aspect of building lineups for this race. Yeah, I completely agree. Normally, we would tell you that you want to, you know, leave only about 1500 bucks on the table for a standard race is about as much as you would be leaving at most. Uh, but super speedways are different. Uh, you can, you'll see if you play cash games, which generally we don't recommend, we usually just recommend playing, uh, you know, not mass multi-entering the big GPPs, play small GPPs with low, uh, you know, entry fees till you get your feet wet. If you want to play cash games, you will see people who literally just put in the driver starting 35th to 40th in the race and just leave it at that. And you can do that. That's not the best way to build it may get you a double up in cash but it's not going to get you the money line in gpps i would say that i also echoing your thing about the front row the last time a pole sitter won the daytona 500 was 22 races ago so that should tell you what you what you need to know um also when you're watching the race please don't panic about drivers dropping back to the back of the pack denny hamlin does it every single year Literally every year, that's what he does. He starts up and then just rides around in the back until about 30 laps to go. And then all of a sudden, he's in play, and he's won three of the last five Daytona 500s doing that. I remember I was uh, li this morning when I was awake, I was listening to NASCAR Race Up, and they were playing like audio from last year's Daytona 500. And they had this clip where Truex was leading, and, and Truex did win two stages last year. And Denny Hamlin was on his radio, and he's like, why is he in front? What is he, stupid? Because it is kind of like, it's a, it's just, it's really a war of attrition. Like, you really just want to be in it and have a chance to win, you know, in the last 20 laps. If you're wrecking in the first half of the race by trying to run out front and, and collect dominator, well, dominator points don't matter for the actual drivers. Um, but, but truly, like, if you want a shot at winning this race, just make it to the end. And sometimes the safest avenue to that is just riding around and doing laps in the back. Yeah. I mean, you know, for a while you're going to look at your DFS score, which also, by the way, don't ever check your DFS score in NASCAR until the checkered flag. Yep. Uh, cause you can't bank points. I mean, you can a little bit with dominator points, but you can't in Daytona. Like it doesn't. It doesn't matter at Daytona. So please don't check before the checkered flag. Cause it, and by the way, if there's a wreck on the final lap, your score is going to change about 10 times before it goes <laughs> official. Um, so, you know, those are all a little bit of news and notes about Daytona. It's a special track, which is also why we're doing a Wednesday pod and not a Saturday pod because starting spots don't actually fully matter here. But in general, if you're going to build – a lineup the best way to do it for super speedways is generally pick one guy in the top 10 that has a pretty good track history 
um, of sticking around and completing laps. We also want to look at laps completed uh, this week is going to be a big stat to look at because the guys who are on the track the longest have the best shots to win. It's just fact. If you're on the track later in the race, you have a better shot to win than who crashed out early in the race, right? Um, and then the rest of the lineup, we're going to fill from guys starting 20th to about 35th. And if you want to take a shot at guys starting after 35th, that's fine, but I'm not going to go entirely 35th on back because most of the time they don't actually return value at that point. Most of the guys that return the nice point totals have started between 20th and like 33rd. Um, so, you know, you can, and please, for whatever you do, let's say for sake of argument that Denny Hamlin is starting in the top 10 and you're in love with him because he's won three of the last five Daytona 500s and he has the best average finish of anybody in the field of the last nine Daytona 500s. He's one of only two drivers who are sub 10 on their average finish in that span. Don't load up on Denny. Don't play him in more than 30% of lineups. So if you're building 10 lineups, don't go with more than three with Denny in it. Because if he wrecks out, which is possible, everybody can wreck at Daytona. You don't want seven of your lineups tanked because you were betting big on on Denny. Um, So 30% is about the cap here. Maybe a little less, maybe 25%. Um, At other tracks, I'd be fine with going as high as 50% for, you know, exposure to a driver, but not at Daytona or Talladega or Atlanta. Uh, the DK Millimaker uh, has 100, basically 107,000 total entries. It's currently only has like 10,500 reserved. Do you think it fills? It did yeah. last year, but it took until like Sunday morning for it to fill. Yeah, I think it'll fill. I think everybody knows the waiting game with Daytona at this point. I think those that got in early are the diehards with NASCAR where they got their tickets punched for the Millie Maker. Like, you've got a couple of those, right? Yeah. So, um, it's people who used crowns for it. It's people who have used tickets for it. And it's diehards who just want a shot at a million bucks. And this is the only NASCAR race they're going to play because... They love playing Millie Makers, right? Um, the people. I will say, like, you'll probably see those uh, those um, you'll probably see those uh, offers pop up from DraftKings too, to like you know, enter your a lineup in the Millie Maker contest, get X amount of crowns, or get like a future ticket. So, I can also see people waiting for that reason as well. I mean, there's also this week they typically use other sports, and they'll be like, <clears throat> "Hey, win this and win a ticket to the NASCAR Millie Maker." If you take down this like NHL GPP or NBA GPP or yeah. um, although the NBA is coming up on the all-star break soon. So we'll see. We'll see how that goes. Um, but yeah, I, you're you're going to want to leave money on the table. You're going to want to live in the mid tier this week or below. Um, usually it's very hard for the guys who are over 10K to really crush it here um we can talk value it's a different sort of value at daytona because it's not a whole lot of laps led it's finished position points and position differential but you know it, it, i find it tough to bank on ten thousand dollar guys at daytona 
Yeah, I don't think you really consider value here. Like you're not looking for 5X or 6X or 7X value. Really, I feel like you want six guys in a lineup that are going to get at least 45 to 50 points. In cash games, the, the, the cash line will be very low in terms of the point total. Uh, but for a GPP, if you're really going to hit the optimal lineup, you need to be upwards of 280 points, probably in the 300-point range. Yeah. So, you know, like, we're not looking for value, but you do need to play a little bit of, like, game script theory and see, like, you know, what is the, the what is this driver's path to getting 50 points or and, you know, consider that for everybody. But at the same – at the end of the day, everybody that you're picking still needs to survive <laughs> – any like Rex, Carnage, you know, they really need to just not be involved in the big one. Yeah, essentially. Like anybody can have the same game script here, right? Like, for example, Ryan Blaney was 10 3 last year at the Daytona 500. He put up 53 points, which you would take. That's pretty reasonable. That's close to 5X for him, right? Just shy. But you also have Ty Dillon who went off at 5,300 bucks and he put up 48 points. Right, so under normal circumstances, on a normal week, you would rather have Ty Dillon because he's that's a bigger value return, right? That's almost ten x, but yeah. um, you know, it, it Daytona, it doesn't really, it doesn't really matter. You, you you'll take both of them because they both put up forty eight plus points, like. And salary is way less of a concern at Daytona that it doesn't really matter that oh, Blaney was 10, you know, over 10K. So getting back to lineup construction, if you're in the NASCAR DFS Discord this weekend, <clears throat> and if you ask for our opinions on a lineup, for this race in Talladega and Atlanta, it's very hard for Matt and I to really take a massive dump on any lineup. Unless you're starting, like, three dudes in the top ten. Exactly. And we're going to tell you, no, that was a bad idea. And we can get into a separate DFS strategy for the duels, because for the duels, I actually am okay starting maybe two or three guys starting in the top eight. Um, But, like, for the actual 500, really, if you're going to start anyone in the top ten, and I know Matt kind of hashed on this, but for me personally, if I'm playing GPPs, I'm fine starting one person in the top ten, maybe another person starting in the top 15 to 18. And then from there, I'm really kind of like rounding out my final like three or four drivers that are going to be starting outside the top 20. Right. And for cash, I'm probably not playing anybody inside the top 10. Uh, yeah, you're no, that's probably accurate. Just because, you know, you're really just trying to establish a much better floor. You don't really want right. to start anybody in the top 10 because if they wreck or just finish, you know, five to ten spots farther back. Like they're just collecting negative PD, and there are just other, there are just safer drivers that you'll play that can get you to get you into the green. Right. The other thing with with cash games is that everybody's going to be on the back, the guys in the back, right? So there's going to be quote unquote chalk plays um, in cash games at Daytona, even though it doesn't seem like there should be. There will be because everybody in cash games is hunting PD, and the guys that can get you PD are starting 20th and worse, right? But here's the advantage to the cash game chalk at Daytona. If that guy wrecks, a bunch of people have him, so it doesn't really kill you. If you play a top 10 guy in a cash game lineup at Daytona, basically nobody's going to have him in a cash game, right? Like, 
for example, Alex Bowman, ridiculously fast in qualifying, lit the pants off of Kyle Larson, who lit the pants off of Byron, right? So people might go, oh, well, I'm going to take Bowman for early laps led, and he'll be great, whatever, even though he probably won't hold the lead very long. Let's just say, oh, I'll just get a jump on people with some Dominator points early. Okay, but he's going to be very low-owned. So the only way you get leverage on the field in cash games is if Bowman doesn't wreck. But if Bowman drops back, now you're the only idiot that played him, and that kills you because everybody else is playing guys who have moved up to replace Bowman, and so they get the bonus points for the PD, and you've lost out on it because Bowman will can get you negative PD, obviously, by dropping back. So in cash games... Just go with guys that are starting towards the back half of the field. And, you know, all you got to do is cross the the cash line to win. It's not like if you win first, you get more money than the guy who finished in the the last cash spot. You all win the same amount in the cash game. So that's the strategy for cash or GPP. You can toss in a top 10 guy, uh, some guy in the you know 11th through 18th, and the rest of them are further back. Now, do you still endorse the idea of either manufacturing stacking lineups or team stacks for lineups? Or would it still, is that contingent on, you know, where they all start? Because obviously it's, nobody really wants to go with a Hendrick stack right now because three of them are starting in, you know, the, the front two rows. Yeah, assuming Byron wins his duel and starts third, Right, because duel one starts on the inside line and duel two right, starts yep. on the outside line. So if yep. Byron wins the duel, he'll start third. If he finishes in the middle of his duel, he'll start in the middle of the pack, right? The only two guys we know are Byron and Larson. So, uh, or sorry, Bowman and Larson. Um, I am, there is one team that I'm fine with stacking, and it's Penske. I guess there's two. There's SHR and there's Penske, right? I mean, either way, they're Fords. Right, they're Fords. But I'm a bigger fan of stacking manufacturers rather than stacking um, teams because for a couple reasons. One, and this has happened to Penske, I think, two of the last three years where the team where teammates have wrecked each other coming to the line. We saw it with Logano and Kozlowski. And then last year we saw... Uh, Blaney pushing Cendric, and then Blaney pulled out a line to try to beat Cendric, and Cendric walled him and just crushed him for no reason. <laughs> so um, I'm a bigger fan of doing, of mixing and matching teams, but sticking with the same manufacturer because they know how to, like, the cars line up better and they can push better. Um, whereas teammates are still going to fight each other for wins. So when it comes down to it, if you had Cindric and Blaney last year, sure, you were great with Cindric, but you got crushed late with Blaney, who was looking great until he got wrecked, right? Um, whereas if you had stacked the year before, let's say you stacked Fords and you went McDowell and maybe Logano and you had Blaney in there, or you go Logano, sorry, you go Blaney and McDowell, and, if, and like Harvick and a few other Fords, then you've limited yourself to when teammates decide to take each other out. So I'm a bigger fan of the manufacturers. Also, they tend to pit together, so 
they can gain and lose position differential roughly at the same time. Were there anything? Was there anything else you wanted to touch on um, as far as like actual for DFS purpose? Because I wasn't sure if we wanted to just pivot and maybe throw down some of our preferred bets that we've already taken, or no, I'm gonna stay away from naming guys for DFS because. I've kind of already said basically anybody's in play who's in the field, by the way, if you're building lineups right now, don't go with guys who have to win their duel to make the field. Yeah. Not, I mean, you'll have to tweak, you know, you have to remember to go online, you know, uh, this weekend and tweak stuff. So it's generally not great. Also don't pay attention to, I think there's Practice on Saturday, if I'm not mistaken. Don't pay attention to practice it. I'm not sure anybody's going to be on track. <laughs> they needed practice before qualifying. Yeah, they didn't whoever get is on track, it, it, none of the times matter because even if you see, oh, this guy had the fastest time, he was probably in the middle of the draft because that's where the fastest times come from. So just don't pay attention to practice this weekend. That's about the only time I'm going to tell you not to do that. Um, so, yeah, we can, we can touch on some of our favorite – uh, bets. I did see that DK, um, and we're going to hone in on DK because I am in a state where it's not technically legal yet to bet, and so DK is about the only sports book I can actually see their odds that it's I can recommend states. And so, yeah, because like FanDuel, I can't get in. Um, I haven't tried I really some getting... offshores, but I can't legally recommend that you bet there because it's yeah. Uh, I will be driving to Tennessee Saturday morning to place a few more bets, and then. Uh... Is it we'll not in South Carolina? I'm in Georgia. I know, but is oh, South Carolina oh, actually well, closer? Uh, that I don't know, but for me, I'm closer. It's a shorter drive for me just to, like, drive north to, like, basically Chattanooga. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> um, so, so yeah, we're just going to focus on DK. You know, they have some driver props up. Uh, it's a lot of winners and top threes and top fives right now. Uh, you can scout for better lines if you want to um depends on if it's legal in your state or not or where you're gonna bet or if you have to drive to another state to do it because i could i could drive to iowa and go play some bets see the one thing i don't like about DraftKings though and their sports book is that they do like winner top three and top five i don't like that like it like well they have down... top tens but they usually wait until after the order is set okay that's fair like, because I know there are other books out there that are currently offering top tens. Right, um, that's the thing. Like, if you wanted to bet top tens, you could scout it at another book. Like, if it's legal for you, sorry for the noise in the background. My cat apparently has the zoomies. Um, if it's legal for you, you can scout whatever books you want to scout. But yes, DK should have top tens up um, on, I would assume, maybe Friday following the duels. Because we'll know the starting order then. Right. Um, but I would say, like, if if you're uncomfortable or if you're not sure how to, like, really play NASCAR DFS, then if you can bet on the Daytona 500, a high-variance race, I would absolutely do so. Um, you Like Matt said earlier, he hit on Michael McDowell at 66-1 to to win the Daytona 500 a couple years ago. Um, I have Austin Hill at 70-1 to currently. He still needs to qualify for the actual race. I also have Ty Dillon, 150 to 1. Um, and then I also have shorter things. Uh, I got Eric Jones initially at 25 to 1 on DK, but then I just saw like he went back to 30 to 1, so I'm pretty sure I'm going to have to lay a little bit more on that. Yeah. Um, 
my favorite right now is going to make Ed Rouse pretty happy. Uh, Blaney oh has been my favorite all week. Um, and I love that DK moved Larson up to 10-1 to and not Blaney. And so Blaney's still 12-1, to so I'm still getting a little value on, <laughs> on <Right>. Blaney. <laughs> also, by the way, if you're new to NASCAR and this is your first time betting, normal races don't have favorites that are 10 and 12-1. to 1. Normal races have favorites that are like 450 to 650 or 650. Or if you're Chase Elliott having won the same race four years in a row, you might go off plus 250. I've seen before. So these races are special. Okay. They're also ones where you want to spread, you want to bet smaller increments and spread it more around. So you have more opportunities to hit and focus a little bit more on longer odds than we would typically recommend, right? Like McDowell at 66 to one. I would almost never bet at any other race. It's just he's a very good plate racer. And it almost didn't hit, by the way. <laughs> it took a wreck in front of him and him holding off four other dudes for it to hit. Um, Austin Sindra going off at 20 to 1. Is that interesting to you? Um, not really. Uh, just because I think that I would prefer to find a book. I feel like you could probably find another book where you can get him at longer odds. And I feel like there, he's just getting slightly preferential treatment because he won this race last year. Yeah. I mean, I also don't know why Kislowski's 18 to one. Probably just dating back. To his, he should be like, if you look up his average, his average finish over the last eight, nine Daytona 500, specifically only Daytona 500, <clears throat> 21.4. The best finish was third nine races ago. Then he finished ninth last year, which is his next best finish. Everything else is like 12th or worse, including one, two, three, four, five finishes of 20th or worse. So, like, why is he 18 to 1? Is he, is he their hedge against others? Because he's uh, no well, he might be, but I just scrolled down, and uh, based on what we saw last night, and I understand the speeds that they ran tonight are going to be completely different from what we see on Sunday. But Harrison Burton is seventy to one. Yeah, I mean Justin Haley's. And that's a Penske like cousin car. Yeah, Justin Haley's forty to one, and all that guy does is win super speedway races. Like legitimately, I'm pretty sure every race win of his career. Yeah, he was dominant at super speedways in Xfinity. Yeah. I mean, I might even get some money on Corey LaJoy at 100 to 1. I've seen a lot of people lay money on that one, and I don't hate it. Um, I'm not saying he's more the, he, than like, I, like five bucks. There's a reason he's 100 to 1, but he does routinely move up and very good candidate to probably start outside of the top 30 and probably finish in the top 15. He almost won Atlanta uh, in the summer of last year, which is – basically now a, a, a drafting track. It's not a super speedway by... I mean, the... we, we talked about how Keselowski had two top ten finishes in the last <clears throat> nine Daytona 500s, right? Yeah. LaJoy's had two in the last three. Yeah. I mean, and he's been in position to win a, a couple, like, he's been up front for a couple of those. He's very good in the draft. Um, he's had very good fortune just in avoiding 
the big one. And so he'll it, let's it, put it, it this way. He has the same average finish over over the last nine Daytona five hundreds as Kyle Larson. And Larson's the favorite. Which is stupid. <laughs> I'm not saying it's smart for DK to have Larson as the favorite. I'm just saying if we're looking at what odds, like what you can discern from odds, yeah. those guys are 10x apart and they have the same average finish over the, over the same span. I just still can't get past Harrison Burton at 71. I think that might be my favorite bet that I've not placed yet. Yeah. Any love for Ryan Priest? What's he at? Probably 40? Let me double check. He might be at 30. Wow. Uh, Not at 30. That's too short. Yeah. That's a little too too short. I'd rather take Stenhouse at 30 to 1. My brother in law got Almarola at 40 to 1, and he's currently 35 to 1. I don't know if I would take 35, but I think 40 is a great number. Yeah. I mean, I like I mean, Almarola's been fantastic. He won Talladega a few years ago. I just love Almarola for when I when he won me money at eighty to one in New Hampshire two years ago. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> people looked at me like I was stupid for taking that bet, and then he <laughs> and then he won it. Um, in fact, I'm pretty sure the NASCAR, the Sirius XM NASCAR radio guys laughed at me when I when they said what was my long shot of the week, and I said Almarola, and then it hit, and Chocolate Myers had to <laughs> apologize to me. <laughs> There's some interesting. There's certainly some interesting ones. I mean, and I've already laid, go. I've already laid plenty of money down for like winners. I think the only two that I personally would still chase are probably just to get more money on Eric Jones because I got him at 25. So I obviously want exposure at 30 to one. Right. I think the other one I'd probably take is going to be Harrison Burton. Maybe a very light play on Riley Herbst, who doesn't have a career win to his name, but he does have uh, pretty good results in the Xfinity series at Daytona. Um, maybe I would take a shot at Ryan Blaney. I don't know. I like to get a little fun and creative with my, with high variance tracks. And so 12 to one still seems kind of short in my opinion, but he could, he could very well. I mean, he's a, one of the favorites for a reason and like that team and, and the, I mean, he, the Penske and the Fords and they're meant for super speedway racing. Here's my next question. Would you take Denny Hamlin at two to one for a top five? No. I might. I might. You're the last nine Daytona 500s, he's finished in the top five seven times. <clears throat> he is easily the driver with the most. Kevin Harvick is next with four in that same span. And then Logano and Blaney and Austin Dillon and McDowell, who we all love as plate racers, all have three or fewer. I don't hate it then. Um... I mean, I mean if, if, if I'm like, looking for a top five at a high variance track, I'd like it to be probably at least plus 350. Yeah. I mean, it's not <clears> as, <throat> as I'd almost it. rather just go with Bubba Wallace at plus 280 for a top five. It's hard to know. I mean, he's been really good here the last few years. Yeah. Like, really good. My cat is still going off, by the That's way, good. apparently. Uh, he's got well. So this is this is the interesting. So he's fin- he finished second in his first one, then thirty eighth, fifteenth, seventeenth, and second last year. Like Austin Dillon has the same number of top fives in the last five Daytona five hundreds as Bubba Wallace. 
That's just like Blaney's got Blaney's going off at two to one. So if you like the better odds, I might lean like plus three thirty for a top five, knowing that if you're gonna take Bubba at plus two eighty, Austin Dillon's got the same number of top fives in the same span. Mm-hmm. Any interest in rookies? Yeah, this is one of the races where I don't have a problem playing rookies because a rookie won it last year. <laughs> I mean, a rookie won last year in Austin. Yeah. Now, here's my question, though. What if it's Ty Gibbs? Are people going to trust him and work with him up front, or are they going to shuffle him back because they think he's him? I don't think anybody would want to work with him. Right. So you're Any two days is incredibly dangerous. Yeah. Also, he's in a disadvantage because he's in a Toyota, and there's far fewer Toyotas than there are Fords or Chevys. Is there like seven of them in this race? I think so. Um, because Pastrana made it in a 2311 yeah. car, so there's seven or eight of them. I know Gragson's not technically a rookie. He ran a part-time schedule last year. Well, so did Gibbs. Well, that's true. That's true. Gregson- but I'm also saying, like, with rookies, um, I'm also talking about Austin Hill, who I did bet on. Um, even someone, I mean, Travis Pastrana, I guess, but also Chandler Smith, Herbs. Yeah, if Zane Smith makes it. True, yep. I mean, it's unlikely. You know, Connor Daly's an absolute long shot to make the field to begin with. So, it's possible. I mean, it's not, it's not out of the question. I would say the only one I'm skittish of is Ty Gibbs, mainly because it's a Toyota and... He's tight, Gibbs. Yeah. I'm going to try not to hold that against him all year, <laughs> but, like, you're playing with the big boys now, son. Like, <laughs> you you screw up. It doesn't even matter. Like, it doesn't even matter if, like, you wreck one of your teammates. One of them is going to pop you square in the face. It doesn't even matter if you're the grandson, right. like, the grandson of the boss. They're going to straight up pop you. <laughs> I feel like, though, this is a race where any kind of wreck, no matter whose fault it is, like, there's, there's very little animosity when they get back to the garage and all that. Just because they all understand the dangers of this track. And, and a lot of times when guys get wrecked out and they interview them afterwards, like, everyone's disappointed and upset. But at the end of the day, it's like, you know, <clears throat> like, that's just drafting. Like, that's just the nature of the beast here. And Kyle Busch has a T-shirt that he wears during the truck race that just says, you know, most expensive weekend of the year. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure Tony Stewart's going to be in the Fox booth sweating bullets, <laughs> watching watching his investment go up in smoke, to use his uh, nickname. Um, some of these matchups are intriguing. Oh, I have no interest in those. I was looking at driver props. Like the group, what about the group winners? Group winners. If group, oh, hey, these are for, yes, Daytona 500 group winners. The group D is hilarious to me because all of them are the same odds. Group B, you can get Byron at plus 290, which I think is very interesting. Yeah, Byron would have to beat Logano, Kyle Bush, and Chastain. I could see that happening. That's a pretty good bet. 
You can also see my cat is just all over the place here. Um, I could also see Kyle Bush winning that group too. Not as not as sexy of odds to be sure. Twelve to five is what two forty. Yes. So, little downtick in the odds, but but it's funny to me that A and D have all of the same odds. All of them are going off at yeah plus two sixty. <clears throat> it's like Gr- Group C is not the prettiest group, but you are getting the def- the defending Daytona five hundred champion at plus two eighty against. Bubba Wallace, Tyler Reddick, and Brad Keselowski. Like, that's not awful for Austin Cindric. But I think if I was to bet one of these, it would probably be William Byron to win Group B. Yeah. I think I'm I think I'm with you. There's just no return on A or D to really... No, nope, I'm with you. Intri- I mean, they're all going off at the same odds, <clears throat> so what's the point in... Especially because in Group D, we know Bowman's on the pole, and I just don't love the track history of pole sitters at Daytona. Yeah, I mean, it's Group D is Harvick, Dillon, Austin Dillon, I should say, because there's two of them. Seabell uh, and Bowman, and they're all going off at two, 13, plus 260. Five, which is plus 260. So, I don't know. It's a crapshoot for me out of those. <laughs> you're, not getting, you're not getting any return to swing you one way or another, so... Um, and Group A is Elliott, Blaney, Larson, and Hamlin, which are all guys who could win the Daytona 500, and they're yeah. all going off at the same odds. So I'd rather just take, like, bet them to win rather than one beat the four. The matchups, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't have a feeling one way or the other about the matchup. So that's our betting chat. We've done strategy. We've got content coming out this weekend. Uh, Dan and I posted our content schedules in Discord uh, earlier on Wednesday. Um, We will be in Discord much of the weekend. Yeah. We're Uh, very active in the Discord, so do not hesitate to ask questions. One of us will answer. Um, And no guys dropping to the back for failing tech or whatever it does not matter here it basically didn't matter at all last year <laughs> at any track except for maybe martinsville um so yeah we'll be open to any of your questions as long as there's not like three dudes starting in the top 10 in your lineup we'll probably be fine with it <laughs> yeah um but yeah let's start the let's start the year on a good note and uh enjoy the race weekend we got oh, yeah. quite a lot of action all right, Matt. Well, thank you so much for your time. Best of luck to you this Sunday. And if anyone else is playing the truck and Xfinity Series races, but best of luck to you and best of luck to the FA Nation this weekend. Best of luck, FA Nation. Hardy's two for $5 breakfast bake goodness into your morning. Choose a biscuit with sausage and egg, biscuit and gravy, or French toast dips. Any two, just $5. Hardy's goodness in the making. These items only. Price and participation may vary. Tax not included.